Uh, I don't know about you, but I've been really blessed this morning with God speaking. Um, I must admit, when I um, this week when I was preparing for this, I was like, Lord, is this... I was trying to figure out what Lord, the Lord was trying to say for it. But really, I, I hopefully you'll find this message an encouragement to be built on what God has already been shared uh, and been t- sharing this morning. Okay, now, who here likes stories? Good, good. I'm a big story fan. Um, I especially love to read. I know a few of us here, I know Tracy loves to sort of read the sort of things that I like to read. Uh, I'm into sort of fantasy novels. And just this week, I finished a book um, that it's, it's been, I, I spent um, just all week reading it because um, I've been ill and I've had to travel to the far ends of London this week on work, so I had loads of extra time. And I won't try and explain the story because it'll take me about half an hour, but it involves swords and uh, other worlds and heroes and villains and stuff, just sort of thing I, I, love, I, I love to read. And I don't know about you, but when you read your Bible, um, I'm sure you find some bits are really easy to read and some bits a little bit more difficult. Uh, but the bits I, lo- I love to read that are so easy are the ones with all the stories in, of where you hear about King David or about Paul's um, travels in, in the Acts of the Apostles and, and you hear about Moses and Abraham, those sort of things. I could just, they're so easy to read for me, I can just flick through them really easily. And so what I wanted to do this morning was to share a story from the Bible and really as we go through it, I wanted to highlight a few things and sort of help explain what's going on and to really bring out God working through that story. And, and one of the, th- well, the story that I'm going to read, one of the things that really comes through, um, through with it when you read it, I think it's the goodness of God. Um, Terry already prayed about that this morning, about the goodness of God. And I hope you go out this morning not only encouraged by for what God has, has spoken, but you just really go out encouraged that God is good this morning. Amen. Amen. God is good. And you can see this story, just God's hand in, in so many things, just to almost want to explode out of the pages as you read them. And so the story I want to share this morning is Ruth. Um, it's quite a small book. It's only four chapters long. And you might struggle to find it in your Bible because it's sort of hidden between Judges and 1 Samuel. Um, don't worry, what I've, I've got, um, you can turn to it if you want, or I've got all the scriptures on the screen, so you can do either, uh, follow it in your Bible or on, on, the, on the screen at the front. Um, now, just to give a bit of context before we start reading it, that roof um, occurred, the time of the, the story was, um, happened was during the time of Judges. Now, what had happened to the people of Israel is they'd been in Egypt, they'd been under slavery, God had come and rescued them through Moses, um, and they'd taken them out, and then they had to walk in the promised land for 40 years. And then eventually, they came to the promised land, and they conquered it, and they captured it. And they were now, at this time, they were now living in it. Um, and if you go through uh, the book of Judges, you'll find, actually, it's a bit of a gory book. It's not the nicest book you're going to read. It's the sort of thing you wouldn't really read to your young kids completely unabridged. Because there's murder in it, there's killing, um, there's a child, uh, sorry, sacrifice, child sacrifice in it, and there's lots of other stuff. That sort of gruesome things you'll find in, in the book of Judges. And, but the thing you'll see most in the book of Judges is just this continual pattern that keeps happening in it. And that the Israelites would, would live in the promised land, but then they would go away from God. God would get a bit annoyed with them, and so he'd send uh, something to happen like a, um, a famine or a disaster, or these other nations to come and oppress them. The people would then live, live like that for a while and eventually they would turn to God 
And God, in his mercy, um, would come and he'd raise up somebody to come and rescue them and save them. And then everybody would live in peace for a while and then they'd fall back into the same pattern. And you could say they lived, they sinned, they repented and they repeated. And that's where you find this book of Ruth. Um, this is when it occurs. Um, but you'll find the book of Ruth is a completely different tone to Judges. So ju- Judges all gruesome and wars and battles and things like that. But Ruth is this lovely little book. It's a heartwarming story. Um, and it's a romantic one. And it's, and it's, something, it's a feel-good story. And you, just, you don't get to see anyone's bad points in the story. You only hear about all, their good, all the good things they do. Okay, and so we're going um, to go for and read it. So let's look at chapter one. Now, I was, I don't know what the time is, but um, I was hoping to read through the whole story, but I appreciate that might take a little bit long. So you'll have to bear with me, because what I'm going to do is I'm going to um, just pick out some of the main bits, and we'll uh, sort of paraphrase as we go through I hope you don't mind. But I would encourage you to go away and read um, this story, maybe this week. It's, it's only four chapters, so it's not very long. Okay, so once upon a time, it was back in the days when judges led Israel, and there was a famine in the land, and a man from Bethlehem in Judah left home in the country, uh, to live in the country of Moab, uh, he and his wife and his family. The man's name was Elimelech, and his wife's name was Naomi. Um, and they went to Moab, and they settled there. Now, Elimelech died, and Naomi was left with her two sons. And they took Moabite wives, one was Oprah, and the second was Ruth. And they lived in Moab for 10 years. Uh, but then the two brothers died and the women were left. And there was a woman was left without a young man or a husband. One day she got herself together, she and her two daughter-in-laws, to leave Moab and set out for home. For she had heard that God had pleased to visit his people and give them food. And she started out from the place they'd live in uh, and, went, and went back on the road to Judah. After a short while on the road, she told her two daughters-in-laws, go home, so go back, go home and live with your mothers and may God treat you as graciously as you have treated your deceased husbands and me. And may God give each of you a new home and a new husband. And she kissed them uh, and cried openly. No, we're not going back with you to your, sorry, no, we're going on with you to your people. But name is firm. Go back, my dear daughters. Why would you come back with me? Um... No, my dear daughters, this is a bitter pill for me to swallow, more bitter for me than for you. God has dealt me a hard blow. And they cried openly, and Oprah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth embraced her and held on. Look, your sister-in-law is going back home home to live with her own people and God's. Go with her. But Ruth said, don't force me to leave you. Don't make me go home. Where you go, I go. And where you live, I'll live. Your people are my people, and your God is my God. And where you die, I'll die. And that's where I'll be buried. So help me God, not even death itself is going to come between us. And when Naomi saw that Ruth had her heart set on going with her, she gave in, and two of them travelled on to Bethlehem. And when they arrived there, the whole town was buzzing. Is this really our Naomi after all this time? And she said, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara. The strong one has dealt me a bitter blow. I left here full of life, and God has brought me back with nothing but the clothes on my back. Why would you call me Naomi? God certainly doesn't. The strong one ruined me. 
and they uh, came back and settled in Bethlehem. So here you see this story of this family, of Elimelech and his wife Naomi and their two sons. And as obviously they must have been in a time where God was, uh, was not pleased with the people of Israel and he'd sent a famine. But what did they do in that situation? Did they trust God and, and turn to him or did they try and do their own thing? Well, obviously that's what, um, that's what they did. They, they, they didn't go to God. They tried, tried to sort out the problem themselves by going over to a land called Moab. Now I've got a little map. I hope you can see it quite clearly. Um, here, so here is uh, the, the promised land, the Israel, uh, at the time after they'd conquered. And all these like, little areas here, the different sort of tribes. And they, lived in the tri- uh, they were in the tribe of Judah. Uh, and they lived in this town called Bethlehem, which I'm sure you guys all recognise and know its importance many, many, many years later. And so what they decided to do in the famine, they left Bethlehem and they travelled. Uh, they had to go around the Dead Sea. I don't know which way they went, but they ended up in this land uh, called Moab. And the truth is they shouldn't have done that. Because Moab was a, was a people who were under God's judgment. Uh, God had, had judged them and said that the Israelites should have nothing to do with the people of Moab. Uh, this is what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 23. No Ammonite or Moabite is to enter the congregation of God, even to the tenth generation, nor any of his children ever. Those nations didn't treat you with hospitality on your travels out to Egypt. And on top of that, they also hired Balaam, son of Bor, from Pephor in Mesopotamia, to curse you. God, your God, refused to listen to Balaam, but turned the curse into a blessing. How God, your God, loves you. Don't even try to get along with them or do anything for them ever. So it was God's judgment on the people of Moab that the people of Israel was to have nothing to do with them. They weren't to go and, um, and help them out or to go and live there or certainly uh, not take um, wives from those, these people. Because um, of what happened, God had said, no, they are not to enter my congregation. Um, and so, but this is what Elimelech did. They went there. And, and, and we see what happened is that Elimelech died and then his two sons died. And we find Ruth and her two daughter-in-laws are left with nothing. They are destitute. They are penniless. They have nothing. Um, there's no benefit system in place for them to rely on. They would have had absolutely nothing. And all they could have done was probably begged or had to do some sort of thing that wouldn't be very pleasant. And so Naomi, just at this point, has probably had enough. And you can see in, the, in her tone of her voice a bit later on that she's just completely fed up. And so she decides to go back to Bethlehem to make that journey back again, to go back to her own people and probably just to go and die in, in peace. Um, and her daughter-in-laws try and go with her. And she got a little way and then she said, no, you've got to go. There's nothing I can offer you. You go back to your family, to your people, to your gods. They'll look after you. I can give you nothing. And we see that opera, she goes, but Ruth doesn't. It says that she, she holds on. And you just imagine her sort of clinging on to her leg. Um, those of us who have had young children will know that sometimes they love to cling on to us. Um, this week, on Wednesday night, when I was trying to prepare um, in the evening, Alyssa, who had been asleep, she woke up. And obviously, she was a bit scared and stuff. And I went into her room, and I tried to set her down. And I, I picked her up. I gave her a cuddle. But when I tried to put her back into the cot... 
did that thing that kids do. She clung on. You could see her whole body tenses and she, she clung on to me. She didn't want to be let go. And you could just imagine Ruth um, clinging on to Naomi, saying, no, I am with you. And then she says that, that, that um, she gives that little speech and she says, look, I am, I'm all in with you. I'm going to come with you. Don't force me to leave. Um, where you go, I'll, li- uh, I'll, I'll go. And where you live, I'll live. Your people are my people and your God is my God. And that's, that's really important. I'll come back to that a bit later. But she gives this statement. She says, no, I'm, I'm completely with you. I'm leaving behind everything, my family, my people, my gods. I'm going to come and worship and, um, your God and serve and live with your people. And then at the end of this chapter, we find that Naomi goes back to Jerusalem and everyone's really excited to see her. Just like sometimes we're in church, we, we see a long, uh, an old friend who we maybe haven't seen for a very, very long time. We're all really excited to see them and ask them how they're getting on or what they're doing. And the people aren't this with Naomi and, and she was just um, in despair. And she says, look, stop calling me Naomi, call me Mara instead. And this is a, a play on words. Um, can anybody tell me this is for bonus points, what the word Naomi means. Pleasantness. Well done, Simon. Jesus' point to you. It means for pleasantness and for pleasure. And so it's a really joyful name, Naomi. It's a really nice, um, nice name. And she's saying, no, don't call me this nice name. I'm not joyful anymore. I'm not pleasantness. The God has dealt me a bitter blow. Call me Mara instead. Now, Mara means bitter. And so she wants to see... Call me this, this negative sounding name. Um, I'm, I'm not a blessed person anymore. God has, 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 has dealt with me badly. Um, and she's obviously quite down. But this is where you see God's hand um, moving in it. I, I like sort of God's humour in this. Because what did Naomi have? She had nothing except one thing. Can anyone tell me what that was? She had Ruth. Now, what does the name Ruth mean in Hebrew? It means friendship. And so you see here, God hadn't left her with nothing. He'd given her a friend, given her a roof to come and, and help her and to live with her. Right? It's a, just a wonderful picture of God providing for, for Naomi in this difficult situation. Amen. All right, let's go to chapter 2. And again, I'm going to try and sk- skim read through this. It's a bit long, this chapter. Uh, and so it happened that Naomi had a relative by mani- marriage, a man... Uh, called Boaz, uh, who was connected with Elimelech's family. And one day, Ruth, the Moabite foreigner, said to Naomi, I'm going to work. I'm going out to glean among the sheaves, um, following after some harvest who will treat me kindly. Uh, they're just going to interject here. Uh, now, in God's law, they had, there was this thing called the law of gleaning. Now, what this meant was, this is something that God set up, so that if you were poor, or you were a widow, or you had nothing, you were allowed to follow behind the harvest, um, all the harvesters, and you were allowed to pick up the little tiny bits of corn of grain. Uh, so yeah, grain of corn that they dropped behind. Now in this picture, I know it's a bit faded, but you see this is um, some wheat, I believe, and you can see here these sort of corns here. So they would have gone through and picked them up. And now in God's law, it said that if they just dropped a little bit, they weren't allowed to go back and pick it up. They had to leave it for, for other people to go and pick it up. And this is again. God's way of caring for his people. And so well, Ruth obviously had found out about that, and so she went and started to go and do it. Um, and she, uh, she started gleaning in a field, following the wake of harvesters. 
And eventually, she ended up in a field owned by Boaz, her father-in-law, Elimelech's relative. And after a while, uh, Boaz came out. Um, God be with you, and God bless you, um, they replied. And he he saw Ruth, and he asked his servants who she was, um, and where did she come from? Um, Why, that's the Moabite girl, the one who came with Naomi from the country of Moab. She asked permission, let me glean, um, and gather among the sheaves. And she's been steadily at it ever since. The Boaz went and spoke to Ruth, listen, my daughter, from now on, don't go to any other field to glean. Come, stay here in this one, and stay close to my young woman. Uh, and watch where they're going, and follow them. And when you get first, you go and get a drink um, from the buckets my servants had filled. Um, she dropped to her knees and bowed on her face. How does this happen? You should pick me out and treat me so kindly, me, a foreigner. I heard all about you, heard about the way you treated your mother-in-law um, and how you've come to live among a bunch of total strangers. God rewards you well for what you've done and with a generous bonus beside from God to whom you've come for seek, seeking protection under his wings. Oh, sir, such grace, such kindness, I don't deserve it. You have touched my heart, treated me like one of your own and I don't even belong here. And then um, basically Boaz blessed her even more um, and he said to his, his servants, uh, make sure you, you give her the good stuff. In fact, even leave out a whole um, sheave of grain. Um, give her special treatment. And she went there all day. Uh, and then she came back with a whole sack full of barley. And Naomi asked her, where did you go to glean? Whose field? God bless whoever it was who took such good care of you. The man who I worked with today, his name is Boaz. Why, God bless that man. God hasn't quite walked on out us after all. He still loves us in bad times as well as good. Uh, that man, Ruth, is one of our circle of covenant redeemers, a close relative of ours. And so Naomi encouraged her to keep going to that field. And so here you see Ruth being quite assertive that probably Naomi was just filling down the dumps. But Ruth said, well, no, look, I'll go and do something. I'll go and get us some food, get us some... Um, a little bit of something for us to live off. And she starts to go out and, and starts to glean. And you might think, oh, it's a bit of a coincidence that she happened to go to this field owned by Boaz, the hero of our story. And we can look at life and we can see a lot of things that happens, happen to us. And think, oh, that's a good coincidence, or, oh, that was a bit lucky. But we know, we should, um, as Christians, we know better. We know that we've got a God who cares for us. We've got a God who has, um, who has his hand upon us. And as you can see, God's hand moving in this story. We can see God mo- moving in our lives. And God's providence for us, so how he comes and he um, makes situations happen that we necessarily wouldn't have planned ourselves. And we don't always know why it's going on. But we can look back and see that's God working in our lives. Um, I know one of the big things that happened in my life uh, was way back when I was 11 years old and I failed the 11 plus. Um, now my older brother Tim, uh, he had done the, the, uh, the 11 plus test and he'd passed and he went off to a grammar school, but I failed, only by like 20 marks or something like that. And I had to go to one of the local schools here and, and you might wonder, well, why has why, why that happened? Why, why am I bringing this up now? Well, I know that that was God's hand over my life because I ended up going to a school of where it was only one of basically the only school in the borough that did electronics. And it just so happens that I quite like electronics, 
and I'm actually quite good at it. And so I did electronics for GCSE, then electronics at A-level, the electronics um, at my degree, and then even got my first job was um, as an electronic engineer. And I can just see that, is, that was God's hand over me that I failed that test. Because if I'd gone to the grammar school, like my older brother, um, I probably wouldn't have ended up um, doing electronics at all. And, and you said, you could just see, well, I was a bit unlucky on that test. Maybe I didn't try very hard. But I know it was God's providence for my life um, and for my career that he, um, he, he, he enabled me to fail that test so I could go to the other school. Now, my job now has nothing to do with electronics at, at all. But it's just, I can see God moving. And you can see in this chapter here how God um, just enabled Ruth to just end up in this field with Boaz. And, and here you see Boaz, Boaz just being so kind to Ruth and giving her special treatment. Um, and it's obviously, you can see the, the, the story starting to progress. And you think, oh, well, things are looking up for Ruth and Naomi. Amen. Let's move on. Chapter 3. Um, one day, her mother-in-law, Naomi, said to Ruth, My dear daughter, isn't it about time I arranged a good home for you so you can have a happy life? And isn't Boaz, our close relative, the one whose young woman you've been working? Uh, maybe it's time to make our move. Tonight is the night of Boaz's barley harvest at the freshen floor. Take a bath, put on some perfume, get all dressed up and go to the freshen floor. And don't let him know you're there until the party is well underway and when he's had plenty of food and drink. And when you see him slipping off to sleep, watch where he lies and go there. Lie at his feet to let him know that you're available to him for marriage. And then wait and see what he says and he'll tell you, says, and he'll tell you what to do. If you say so, I'll do it, just as you've told me. So she went um, and put her mother-in-law's plan into action. Boaz had this party with his harvesters, uh, probably got a bit drunk, then went off to go and lie on some stacks of barley and fell asleep. Um, and then she lay down and she, uh, and she did something to signal her availability for marriage. Um, and in the middle of the night, the man was suddenly startled and sat up, surprised. Who are you? I am Ruth, your maiden. Take me under your protective wing. You're my close relative, you know, in the circle of covenant redeemers. You have the right to marry me. God bless you, my dear daughter. What a splendid expression of love. And when you could have had your pick of any of the young men around, and now, my dear daughter, don't you worry about um, that thing. I'll do all that you could want or ask. Everybody in town knows what a courageous woman you are, a real prize, um, etc. And then um, they go back to sleep, and in the morning he sends her back to Ruth, sorry, to Naomi, and, and it says, Ruth told everything that the man had done for her, adding, and he gave me this barley uh, beside six quarts. He told me, you can't go back empty-handed to your mother-in-law. And Naomi said, sit back and relax, my dear daughter, until we find out how things turn out. That man isn't going to fall around. Mark my words, he's going to get everything wrapped up today. Now, at the start of this chapter, we see a mother-in-law having some plans. Now, I'm not going to make a joke about mother-in-laws getting involved with things. But she comes up with this plan. Um, and Ruth, and Ruth says, OK, I'll go along with it. And the idea is basically to get Boaz to marry her. Um, and so she goes to, go to the party and said, Boaz has probably had a bit too much to, to eat and drink. And he goes and has a nap. And she goes to him and she lies at his feet. Now, she does something a bit strange. Or we think, we think a bit strange. She takes his shoes off. Now, in those days, women weren't allowed to ask men to marry them. 
And, but they could do certain things to make them show they're interested, like we do today, really, don't we? We, we might not take our shoes, we might go and take somebody's shoes off, but we maybe ask them to get out for coffee or maybe do a bit of flirting or um, do a bit of WhatsApp messaging. But that's what she did. She went there and she took his, uh, took his shoes off. And obviously when he woke up and she said, that part, put, um, put your covering over me, i.e., please come and marry me. I want you to come, and come under your protection, come under your, your, um, uh, yeah, your, 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 in your family. And, of course, Boaz is very keen and he's very complimentary. He calls her a real prize. don't know how many husbands call their wives a real prize, but I know my wife's a real prize for me. Yeah, so Boaz is keen, but he, um, he has to go and sort some stuff out, which I'll come to um, in, in the next chapter, explain what, what, what he's going on about there. Uh, and so you think, wow, it's all looking good. Things are really, really ha- happening. God's really moving in this story and he's allowing this to happen. Ruth is going to be, um, going to get married to Boaz and everything's going to work out. And so you can see God's hand at work. But I'll ask a question. This is something that I, I, I um, had to find out. Why was God allowing this? Because after all, she is a Moabite. She's a foreigner to the land of, 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 of Israel. And she used to remember in Deuteronomy, it said that no Moabite should enter the congregation of God. And you're to have nothing to do with them. Why is God allowing this to happen? It's a good question, isn't it? Well, we see here, um, now we can sort of sta- stand back four or five thousand years later and we know what happened with Jesus on the cross. And we can see, well, it was all part of God's plan. Because uh, we have to realise that God is overall. God is not just in this one story. He's throughout the whole Bible. He's throughout the whole of eternity. And that we know that God's heart is to bring people like Ruth into his family. Um, as if we skip forward a few hundred years and go to Isaiah chapter 56. Um, it says this, because uh, Isaiah was a prophet of God, speaking God's heart. Um, so from verse 1. Guard my common good. Do what's right and do it in the right way. For salvation is just around the corner. My setting things right is about to go into action. How blessed are you who enter into these things, you men and women who embrace them, who keep Sabbath and don't defile it, who watch your step and don't do anything evil. Make sure no outsider who now follows God ever has occasion to say, God put me in second class. I don't really belong. And make sure no physically mutilated person is ever made to think, I'm damaged goods, I don't really belong. For God says to the mutilated who keep my Sabbaths and choose what delights me and keep a firm grip on my covenant, I'll provide them an honoured place in my family and within my city. Even more honoured than that of sons and daughters, I'll confirm permanent honours on them that will never be revoked. And and as for the outsiders who now follow me, working for me, loving my name and wanting to be my servants, all who keep Sabbath and don't defile it, holding fast to my covenant, I'll bring them into my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. They'll be welcome to worship the name, so the same as the insiders, to bring burnt offerings and and sacrifices to my altar. Oh yes, my house of worship will be known as a house of prayer for all people. Amen. Isn't that beautiful? It's God's heart coming through. And you can see it out working in the story of Ruth. 
that God's heart is to bring people on the outside, to bring the foreigners in and bring them into his people and into his family. And you, um, and I, and you get not to be um, these second-class citizens or people to feel like they don't belong. God's saying, no, those who, who love me and hold to me, they can be part of my, they can be my people. And of course, what did Ruth say to Naomi? Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. And she, she left all that she'd known before, and she came, and she came um, to the God of Israel and said, he's my God. And what does God say? Come in, come in. You can come to my place of worship. You can be, true. You can be the same as all the people on the inside. You can come and worship there. And he said, my house will be a prayer, or a house of prayer for all nations. See, this is God's heart coming through in this story. There you can see how God accepts Ruth and draws her into, into himself and into his people. Amen. Isn't that great? And of course, what I love at the end of that chapter, Naomi says, what does she say? Sit back, Ruth. Just relax. Boaz is going to sort that out. Obviously, she knew that Boaz was a man of action. I'm sure he was very excited to be married to her. I know probably when some of us, when, before we were, when we were engaged looking to be married, we were super excited and couldn't wait. I know my, my dad always tells the story that once he got engaged, he worked out how many days it was, and every day he would tell my mum how many days it was to get married, because he was excited. And, and Naomi knew that obviously Boaz would have been super excited, would have got things done. Now, this is again God's humour coming through in this story. Does anyone know what Boaz's name means? Swiftness that Boaz was going to get things done quickly. So let's, find, let's go to chapter 4 and find out what happens at the end of the story. Um, Boaz went straight to the public square and took his place looking for a closer relative. Now, what I should say at this point is that um, it just explain a bit of the, the, the law around what is, what's going to happen next. Now, when the people of Israel went to the Promised Land, the land all got divided up between the different tribes and then between the different families. And every family was given their own land and it belonged to them. Now what they did with that land was, was sort of up to them. They could sell it on or lease it out or do whatever. But every 50 years, the land always returned to the original family who owned it. Um, if you ever hear of something called the Law of Jubilee, that's what it was. Every 50 years, the land went back. And not only that, you had to have an heir, a male heir in that family to, um, to continue that family line. And so what had happened here is there was this land that had owned, owned by Limelech, and obviously he was dead and there were no heirs. And so the land um, had to, Naomi was going to sell it, and it had to be redeemed by a close relative. And the law went as the, basically the next relative got first go, and then after that, and it went down the line. But somebody had to buy it and redeem it, um, in order for that to go back, so it's eventually to go back, so it can go back to the family. Um, now, the word redeem means to buy something, buy, basically pay off the debt. Like I'm sure some of us here have mortgages, and every month we have to give money to the banks in order to, to start paying it back. And so eventually, one day, uh, we'll pay our mortgage off and we'll have redeemed it and we'll own the, our house all to ourselves. And so this is the situation that Naomi had some land, but she couldn't own it because she... Um, because there wasn't a man in the family, so they were going to sell it off. So Boaz goes to town, 
and he's going to go and find, because he wasn't the closest relative, there was one other person, uh, probably his older brother, I would imagine. Uh, and so as the, the older brother comes into town, he says, set aside, old friend, and take a seat. And he gathered the elders around and said, sit down, we've got some business to take care of. And he explains about the property, how um, it's a limonex, it needs to be, it needs to be redeemed, and this, you, this, this relative here was in the first in line to take it. And the guy's like, yeah, I'll buy that, that makes sense. Then Boaz brings in the, the second uh, part of the deal, is actually if you take that land, you also need to take Ruth, the Moabite, the foreigner, um, and you need to go and marry her and give her a child so they can carry on the family line of Elimelech. At which point the relative's like, oh, I'm not interested in that, it's going to mess up my plans. And so he says, okay, you can, Boaz, you can buy it. And so they do this weird thing where... Um, they, they sign a deal. What they do is they take off their shoe and they give it to the other person. It's a bit like us just shaking hands. Um, <clears throat> so they do that. And then Boaz addressed the elders. You have witnessed today that I have brought from Naomi everything that belonged to Elimelech, um, including responsibility for Ruth the foreigner, the, uh, and I'll take her as my wife and keep the name of the deceased alive along with, the, along with his inheritance, the memory and reputation of the deceased, is not going to disappear out of this family or from his hometown. To all of this, you are witnesses to this very day. And the people and the, the elders, they blessed him, uh, Boaz, and he said that Boaz married Ruth, she became his wife, and they slept, he slept with her, and by God's gracious gift, she conceived and had a son. And the town's women said to Naomi, Blessed be God, he didn't leave you without a family to carry on your line. May this baby go up to be famous in Israel, He'll make you young again. He'll take care of you in, your, in, your, um, in old age. And this daughter-in-law who has brought him into this world and loves you so much, why? She's worth to you more than seven sons. And Naomi took that baby and she loved it like it was her own. And the, woman, the women in the neighbourhood started calling uh, the child Naomi's baby boy. But his real name was Obed. And Obed was the father of Jesse and Jesse the father of David. Amen. I said, what a lovely story this Ruth is. It's heartwarming. It's, it's romantic. It's got a good ending to it. Everyone does live happily ever after. And you can see how the story starts with that really bad thing happening and how it looks, look, looks terrible. And yet things happen and the situation changes and we get a hero entering. Um, and then there's some obstacles. They get overcome and eventually you have this new family and God's blessing upon them. Amen. Isn't it nice? Um, and you can see here that God really fulfills his promise um, that he gives to Isaiah later on, that he's going to include the foreigners and the people on the outside into his family. Because you can see that, now, um, that Ruth becomes the great-great-grandmother of King David. Um, includes her into, God includes her in the family. And then eventually, if you follow that lineage all the way through, if you read the start of the Gospels, you'll see that in Jesus' genealogy, you see Ruth sat there as well, and even names her. And you can just see God's heart come through in this story of how he wants to draw people in, and how he wants to show his love and his goodness and his care for people in this story. Amen. And we realise that God has a plan. And he had this plan not just when Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden. He had it right from before the world was formed. 
that he wanted to come and adopt us into his family uh, through Jesus. Um, and I'm going to read some scriptures from 1 Ephesians. Um, and I was just going to bring out one, but I had to just bring in loads because it's so uh, amazing to read. And it's uh, 1 Ephesians verse 3. How blessed is God, and what a blessing he is. He's the father of our master, Lord uh, Jesus Christ, and takes us to the higher places of blessing in him. Long before he laid earth's foundations, he had us in mind, had settled on us as the focus of his love, to be made whole and holy by his love. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us into his family through Jesus Christ. What a pleasure he took in planning this. He wanted us to enter into the celebration of his lavish gift-giving by the hand of his beloved son. Because of the sacrifice of the Messiah, his blood poured out on the altar of the cross. We are a free people, free of penalties and punishments, chalked up by our misdeeds. And not just barely free either, abundantly free. He thought of everything, provided for everything we could possibly need, letting us in on the plans he took such delight in making. He set it all, before, all out before us in Christ, a long-range plan in which everything would be brought together and summed up in him, everything in deepest heaven, everything on planet Earth. Amen. So you see God's heart just bursting through here. When Paul, when he wrote this letter, he, could, he knew God. And he could see what God was doing and had done through Jesus. You see that God had this plan long ago with Jesus. And the Holy Spirit was to come and to make us his people. And he knew what was going to happen. He knew that Jesus would have to go to the cross. As he wanted to adopt us and give us the full rights. And to include us in his family like Ruth did. Like, like he did with Ruth. And I'm sure for those of you who were here a few, uh, about a month ago, and we saw that video from, uh, sent from Adam and Mim, um, and I'm sure you would have been really blessed by it. Um, because I, I just I love it. You can see the love they showed, because there's this family, and they wanted to expand, um, expand it. And what they, what they had in their heart is they wanted to take an orphaned Chinese girl and bring her and adopt, the, adopt her into their family and you can see on that video the love they have for her and, and we know they've been praying about this and seeking God and had their heart, heart set on this for a long time and then God opened it up and he gave them this little, little baby little, um, little daughter Tilly and you know that she's going to grow up in this loving household and that she's going to be 100% part of that family she's not going to be some second uh, a class um, family member she's going to have full access to Adam and Mim and to their love and to all that they have and I just love it because it's the father's heart out working through what they, what they did there of, of taking that foreigner and bringing it into their family and accepting it as one of their own and loving it we can see that's God's heart this morning, that's God's heart for us he wants, doesn't matter who you are whether you feel like you don't belong, whether you're a foreigner, whether you feel on the outside, or you're damaged good, God wants to bring you in. And you see that we had that cost attached to us. Through our misdeeds, we didn't deserve to be adopted into God's family. But he said, just like Boaz had to redeem Ruth, and you see that Boaz is a picture of Jesus in this story, and the Ruth is a picture of us, and how Boaz had to go and redeem Ruth, 
And God sent Jesus to go on the cross, to die, to die there, to shed his blood so that he could redeem us and pay the cost of our sins and so that we could know him. Hallelujah. Amen. Lord, um, I just hope this morning, um, I don't really, I just want to, when I was seeking God about what, what God wanted me to say for this, is that he just wanted me to bring out just how good God is. Bring out his goodness for each and every one of us. God wants to come and pour out his blessings, pour out himself, pour out and um, open up himself and that we can enter in, into, into his presence and know him and have, to, have full access to the fullness, just like Ruth was blessed abundantly and Naomi, who, was, um, who had, had nothing, who had gone away from God and was left with nothing, we see God's hand upon her life. God didn't leave her. And as we were praying and singing this morning, and God speaking, that God doesn't want to leave us. And that we might feel like we're going through hard times, through difficult times, but God is with us. It's who he is. He is a good, um, good he's good. And we sing this, this song and the chorus goes, you're a good, good father. It's who you are, it's who you are. Amen. We can sing that song. Um, when we sing that song, we can know it's true that God is good this morning. And the second half of that chorus, it goes, um, and I'm loved by you, it's who I am. It's who I am. And we can, when we sing that, we can really open our hearts because we can know that when we, when we like Ruth and we, we get rid of our old self and we say, no, I'm just going to stop following myself and start following God, we can know that we are people who are loved by God. It's who we are. Amen. Amen. Just hope you're encouraged this morning. Let's pray.